Welcome to Sewer Mutant, the podcast that excavates subterranean comic book treasures both old and new. I'm your guide Clintron, and that opening music was by Crudler. This is our maiden voyage, so please bear with me as we work out the kinks in the recording and production process. Now, on with the show. I'm joined by Barbados and Mean Boss, the team behind uh, multiple digital comics projects, including Sad Sack, Poop Picks at Yahoo.com, and most recently, Sorty. Uh, their work uh, can be incredibly disturbing. Uh, every issue has a, a laundry list of content warnings ranging from explicit sexual content to decomposing human bodies. So listener be warned, this episode will probably be explicit. Uh, but I also want to say that they're about more than just shock value and we'll be delving into the, the meanings behind uh, all of this work uh, shortly. Uh, so welcome to the show, guys. Hey, nice to be here. Thanks for having us. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, before we dive into uh, your work, I was hoping maybe we could just talk a little bit about, I'm always interested in how people got into comics as a medium and what made them, you know, if, do you remember like the first comics that you, that you read either as kids or as even as adults, if it was more recent? God, I think that honestly, uh, my first comics were probably just some, some manga crap. Not saying that manga in general is crap, but you know, when, when you're young, you just read anything that's a little bit more shocking. I think the one that really stuck with me when I was younger was Helsing, which I think a lot of people my age have uh, had a little Helsing phase. And it's like baby's first gore manga. It's, it's just very violent. The art, the art is, it gets good. It doesn't start good, but it gets there eventually. And after that, well, I definitely went looking for more like gory and violent stuff. I not for any particular reason, I guess just because, you know, it's shocking. So you want to see more of it. I wasn't like a, a psychotic kid or anything like that. <laughs> <laughs> and after that, honestly, my interest in comics dropped a lot. It turned more towards films and series and stuff. But uh, the interest in art was always there, though I only became interested in making comics, I think, uh, around the time where I met Nicholas online. Okay. And that's kind of it. And um, me kind of like just as a note on Helsing, I feel like half the, the charm of Helsing is just how, how busted the dude's art starts. And then like he's he doesn't care that his art is busted and he just keeps going for it. And for me personally, like I definitely have an artistic ceiling that I hit and I'm like, you know, what do I do with this? I, I have stories I want to tell and comics I want to do and my art's not up to snuff. And then I read some of Helsing and I'm like, this dude doesn't give a shit. Okay, fuck it. I don't, I won't give a shit. I'll just do my thing. But uh, to get to the question, I um, first like real comic I read because I wasn't too interested in like DC and Marvel and stuff. Cause it just, it didn't grab me. Like I didn't care too much for superhero stuff. So I'm like, eh, um, was I got gifted a copy of, of Battle Royale back in high school. I think I was in like sophomore year by one of my friends who said like, you like that horror stuff, read this. And the comic version of Battle Royale is, is just grotesque. It's d disgusting. The story sucks, but you're looking at the art, you're like, oh my God, like Battle Royale is about like just as nasty as anything you'll find in Sad Sack. If not like in some parts, like I think a little more so. So reading this, like, you know, as like a 14, 15 year old, I'm like, I've never seen anything like this. Where can I find more? So that kind of led me down the rabbit hole to like, you know, more gore comics and things like that. And that was my start. Cool. Yeah. So how did the two of you meet and, and what made you decide to do a, a comic together? 
Um, oh god. So back god. in the Tumblr days, uh back when Tumblr had a uh, people in it before they just banned all the porn off of it and everybody migrated to Twitter and stuff. Now now I don't even know what's going on in Tumblr. I hear that it's a lot of uh Nazi shit going on, like, like white nationalist stuff going yeah, on there. I'm not sure. It, it's like mad white supremacist shit going on on yeah. Tumblr right now. It's and a couple awful. of fine people, I'm sure, but here and anyways, there, yeah. Uh, we then had a real, we were real fans of this uh, game franchise, Outlast by Red Barrels. Oh, yes. beautiful, beautiful Which is just, little game. I think, I mean, obviously we have like Mortal Kombat and stuff. Violence in games is nothing new. But I think we, I think Outlast broke some, uh, crossed some lines there in the more modern video game where everything's a little bit more high resolution, everything's a little bit more detailed. And just the framing that they put on everything, you know, Mortal Kombat's supposed to be fun, supposed to be shocking, you know? You rip a guy's spine off and you're supposed to go like, whoa, shit, cool. Right. Outlast is really supposed to make your stomach turn and to make you terrified to be where you want to be. And it's really trying to show the terrible things that you're seeing, the mango corpses, the gore, the violence, as very scary. As Because you are this protagonist who has no weapons. Your only option is to run away and hide. And... and uh, oh, sorry. sorry Just to interject on that point, like another thing that like Outlast was really like... I think really hit home for a lot of people and was something really crazy was that this is the first time I think, you know, in kind of like a triple a game format where you, the player ostensibly a dude is going to be put in a situation where you are completely helpless and the whole sexual violence and shit, it's not played for jokes. It's not played for laughs. It's dead serious. You can't do anything to stop it. And I think like, you know, if you watch any like let's plays and shit of like dudes playing out last, like, it's kind of the, the, the motions and like the feelings that they go through just to watch that. It's just like, I have not been through this before in a games situation. So that I kind of like found that I'm like, I love this. This is great. I want more of this. I assume RJ was the same situation. And yeah, it was really interesting. And we, we were both artists already. We just did it as a hobby. I did a little bit for work, but just like still mostly casually. And we liked each other's art. We kind of struck up conversation here and there. We actually met a, a while before we became friends. I would say a solid year or more before we became friends. I think so. Like, because we were kind of like the only people doing like really fucked up art about this. So we kind of like spotted each other like, oh, hey, okay. We got like similar mindsets. And then, you know, obviously in like, gore art and horror art you kind of have to suss out if the person is a maniac or not a yeah. little bit there's some people out there and then you know we kind of suss out like oh okay you're just like a regular person who just like likes to draw goofy stuff on the internet okay and then life goes on and shit and then i think like you said uh, rj like a year later we kind of reconnected like oh you're still around and still doing crazy stuff hey you know we struck up from there and uh the comic happened completely by accident um what had happened? What year was it? It was 2018. Uh, Trump was in office and the, the, the Nazi Tiki torch rally had happened, I think either the year before or like a couple months before. And like, I'm Jewish. So I was pissed and uh, I'm gay. So I was pissed and I'm like, I'm fucking pissed off. And then, you know, I can't do anything about it. Cause like, what the fuck is one dude going to do? So I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm going to draw this nasty little fucking thing where he's just fucking killing Nazi. I don't care. Eh, you know, and then I showed it to 
RJ and a couple other friends just like check out what I'm fucking doing and literally just for laughs and shit. And they're like, Hey, and you know, then I got back to work like, doing more and I kind of just like did it when I'd get home from work as like a, a funny thing. And I think I was like, I, th- I kept going. I think it was like 80, 90 pages in when I kind of realized like, I'm going to just fucking do this whole thing. I don't know how long it's going to be, but it's going to be long. And then out of the clear blue sky, RJ dropped into my uh, my DMs and he's like, hey, I inked pages one and two. And I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> he just surprised me with that. I had no idea. Yeah, from that point on, we just started talking about like, hey, let's finish this uh, and put it online for a little <laughs> bit of a paywall. Uh, a lot of people already followed our art and stuff and just liked w- what we did. So we figured, hey, it's a cool way to like make a little money because Nicholas had put work into it. I was putting work into it. And, yeah, and yeah. and paywall especially because it's like you know, I was reading Battle oh. Royale when I was like yeah. fourteen, so it's like, look, I get it. Kids will look, but I would really like to make as many roadblocks as possible so that kids can't look at this. So let's just put it up behind a paywall, so that there's like, you'd have to go so fucking far to look at this if you're not supposed to be looking at yeah, this. You, you've got to steal your yeah. dad's ca- credit card if you want to look at this, and then from the, it, it's not our problem anymore. You stole your dad's credit card, okay? You deal with that with them. If you yeah. went this far, I'm not pleased, but fine, whatever. I don't want to know. But ideally, no kids reading this. And next thing we know, it's like uh, we got some pretty good response out of that. It's like, I guess we should keep going. So yeah. <laughs> Right. So when it started, it was you weren't necessarily planning on doing doing it as a series, like doing second like a second issue. It was like just gonna be a one and done with uh, the first character, the 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 Nazi that, that gets murdered, is that right? Yeah, um, I was just going to do the one because I'm like, all right, fuck it. And then I'll go draw something else. And then, you know, it just prelim wise, it it got so long. And I was spending just, you know, I'm doing roughs and these don't take me too long, but they take a fair bit of time. And I'm doing so many roughs and spending so much time with these characters that eventually I start thinking to myself, like, what the fuck is wrong with these dudes? (laughs) What is their problem that they would do this? So now it's like, well, this first one kind of focused on, you know, Jake, our, our glasses dude so what if we then i did another one and we just focused on like another dude and he was like the ringleader and then it's like oh what if the whole thing of everybody wearing similar outfits is like their weird mo like oh we all have to dress to match or whatever so i'll just switch their outfits a little bit and i ran it by rj like do do you want to do more after this (laughs) can we just keep going (laughs) yeah so my my favorite part of that of that whole series is just like the little short bits when they're interacting with each other when they're not doing murder when they're just uh like like the first issue afterwards they start talking like where they're gonna go eat after (laughs) afterwards and then just like this like just all that just the the little human interaction that they have yeah the little moments of humanity inserted in there yeah right yeah it's sort of yeah i wrote about this in the in the article where it's sort Mm -hmm. sort of the flip of how you often see horror done where like the there's short bursts of violence that um they're meant to shock you but the rest of it is about developing the characters so that you care when the violence happens and uh this is sort of the opposite where you only get these short bursts of human of of humanity as like this like a brief like break from (laughs) from hundreds of pages of uh, (laughs) uh of something horrible happening and it it surprised it works surprisingly well though for me building the characters it's i I guess because it's like you don't get a whole lot so like what you get uh i don't know maybe i just 
felt like I latched onto it more than I might have otherwise. No, I feel, uh, I feel like that might be uh, the effect that happened. I think a lot of people, were, they were reading it for the shocking content and they were enjoying all the violence and stuff. But if a lot of them really grabbed onto uh, the actual personality of the characters and this these demonstrations of humanity. And, you know, when you talk to people who read the series, they really focus on these little things about the characters. They are they, There's not that much conversation about the horrible shit that happens. Of course, there's acknowledgement of it, but everybody's really interested in what happens behind the scenes with them, where they came from and what they like to do and they, how their relationship with one another developed outside of what we see in the comics. Yeah. So I think that happens a lot. I don't think yeah, they're the, alone there. Yeah, I, I feel like um, just from writer's perspective, like there there is no answer to what's wrong with them unless we get a look at like the people that they are. Because everyone's got, you know, everyone's got shit and skeletons in their closet and stuff. But any horrendous person that you meet is going to be a complete doll to someone you don't know. You know, and that's just how people are like, you're going to have like this person and he's, he's horrible and he like beats his dog or whatever. And then he goes out to like the guy where he gets his newspaper from and his coffee from, and he's such a gentleman, you know? So if you ask the guy who sells the newspapers and the coffee, like, what's this dude like? He'd tell you, oh, he's fine. You know, he's perfectly polite. You know, he always makes nice conversation. I'm more interested in kind of the whole, the wholeness of uh, what, what goes into people. I don't think people are like. 100% good or 100% evil. Uh, I think there's uh, really fucked up shades to uh, everybody that you meet. I kind right. of, um, I kind of just, a, I kind of took it a bit from again, like Battle Royale, where we spent so much time with uh, the characters and I don't know how effective it was because again, it's like writing wise, it's not that good, but we still spent a lot of time with, I think about like 30 characters and you knew like most of them we're going to be dead by the end of this. So you're just sitting there like, oh my God, you know? And also um, what stuck with me forever, there's this one scene in one of the August Underground films by uh, Fred Vogel, who tends to have us spend a lot of time with his characters outside of their stupid murder sprees. But there's this one really awful scene in the third one where it's like, I don't know if I should like get into it too much. It's like, it's pretty grotesque, but we, we have this really clear moment of humanity on top of this gross murder happening and the juxtaposition of the two like makes you nauseous. It's horrible. So I'm like, yeah, I want to do that. That's great. <laughs> That's how I want to write. Cool. Yeah. And I mean, and speaking of that, you know, no one's a hundred percent good or bad. I mean, that was yeah. It, it was sort of like, as I understand it, like it kind of started out as like your own sort of fantasy of like, let's let's kill Nazis or something like because they're they're obviously bad. But then. <laughs> um, Oh, 100%. I mean, it, yeah, but uh, <laughs> all what it is. <laughs> yeah, but then I mean, that's the but the the story really goes uh, in a, a different direction from there, where uh, we do start to find that these these characters who um, maybe started out as you know, I don't know, you could almost think of them as like grosser, uh, rapey versions of the Punisher or something. Like go go off in this like. Um, you know, this other direction entirely. Uh, so can you talk, I don't know, a, a little bit about that decision or. Mm, hmm. Hmm. I don't know. I think like early on, like RJ, you and me, like we didn't really have like too much of a sense of like, cause I literally, I, I did no character work before they showed up in the panel. Like, oh yeah. 
they did not exist until I was like, okay, so for this panel, I need a big dude. So I just drew like a shape of a big dude. I'm like, a big dude's here now. Like I had no, they didn't have names until someone said their name. And I'm like, uh, uh, what name is good? What movie did I just see? Oh, I'm thinking about Anne Bancroft's Fatso. And there's a character named <laughs> Sal who like dies early on. And he's this big dude who like played the tuba and shit. So I'll take that name. Cause I like Anne Bancroft or whatever. So like a lot of little things like that. And then eventually what happened is that like the mountain of individual characteristics became so much that like, I think halfway through part one, even they start becoming a little more distinct from one another where I'm like, Oh, well, I, maybe these two are dating. Cause it'd be interesting. And then I'm like, Oh, well, if they're dating, you know, how does that shake out with like their interactions? And then this guy, I like forgot to draw him in like a bunch of panels. And I'm like, Oh, so maybe that means he was like in the background or something. Like he was, he was hiding. You know, he was just sitting there. So that became a character like attribute or something like that. So uh, they got more so like when RJ got to draw them, like when RJ was doing the inks, he like really brought out much more individuality than like my thumb looking roughs. So <laughs> yeah. And even then you can see how the character's uh, design changes a little bit, especially from the first book and onwards. They are really fleshed out, I guess, by like, I'll say the third. But at first we... We had no expectation for these characters and how they were going to develop as people. Uh, so I just kind of, I just, I just figured like, okay, this one's old, this one's big, this one's a little crawling, a little gross rat. This guy has glasses, <laughs> and that was the extent of their personality, even and whatever else Nick did to them. It was like, um, I, I before sads i have like a, a fucking compendium of comics that i need to get to with complete show bibles like they're done and what would happen is that i would complete the show bible which would be like this big i have like physical copies of them in like my drawer over there and i'd get intimidated by the scale of the project and be like i can't fucking do this and then i'd start doing another show bible for something completely different so by the time i hit sads i think i i had like eight comics that i still need to do that i'm like it's too big i can't do it uh where do i start i don't know so by the time I hit SADS, I'm like, I'm not going to do any pre-development for this. I'm just going to go. And I'm going to trust myself to weave without notice that I'm weaving. And that's what happened. Like, it had just become such, like, um, habit almost to yeah, kind of do that kind of story weaving. It's really amazing how that did work out. Because by the end, uh, we realized how many teams, how many uh, recurring uh, semiotics stuff, like... we had inserted in there that you can kind of reread the comics after you finish them and grab onto them. Like, oh, this is this kind of foreshadows this and this kind of leads to that. And this, uh, some things we planned, obviously, but a, a couple of little things we didn't. And we were impressed about it because I would come to Nicholas and be like, holy shit, you put this like all the way here in the beginning. That kind of- I'd be like, ah. Uh, like, I, I guess I did. Yeah, he'd be kind of like, I did? I, I don't remember that. And it's did just I? funny how that worked out. The characters very much- <laughs> develop themselves in a way we just left them alone to do their own thing and then they just became people uh yeah. kind of on their own a little bit I, I i take no credit yeah so like you said you you put it online put it behind a paywall and um lo and behold people paid for it um so I, yeah i mean you're working to my mind at least like so far outside of like the comics mainstream or like the uh the webtoon mainstream but you've still managed to build something of an audience. I'm wondering, like, how did you go about promoting it, like getting the word out? 
Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> so much of he, he's being modest. So much of that is Nicholas. Nicholas has oh. done an uh, incredible job of like reaching out and uh, boosting up the comic and putting ah. it in in other websites and like just just selling it, like uh, telling people what it is about and reaching out, sending emails, uh, giving people like free copies here and there if they might like uh, enjoy it, might feel like reviewing it. But we just uh, we just kind of figure like. We have a lot of people who follow us who like this stuff already. And I guess they just talked about it. There, there, there's an audience that exists for this stuff. And it's it's an overlooked audience. But there's an audience in, like, not just the gay community. But, like, there is an audience for this stuff. And they, they're, they're a very active audience. And they make their own stuff all the time. Like, we know a bunch. Like, they're just okay. doing their thing online, minding their business. And then logging off and going to work. Or walking their dog. Or just living their life like normal people. So it's like we, all right, fine. I did send, I did do a little legwork. I'll say that because you know, RJ, you were working so hard on these inks. They looked so good. I'm like, let me take the responsibility of any promotion onto me because you are busting ass. I just don't have the brain for that. I just uh, we (laughs) draw this, uh, this, uh, uh, like I'm kind of like I'm I'm the drummer of this band. Okay, I just like to be in the back and just doing some of the arm work. You're the rhythm guitarist. And then I go to sleep because I'm so tired from drumming all night. But you you can be the face of the thing. You can like reach out to the people. I'm just here doing the work, and then I want to go to sleep. (laughs) That's that's kind of how we figure things. I kind of figured that it's like by the time you get to the inks, my roughs are done. So I'm just like, I kind of figured like, I'm just sitting here and you're working so hard. I feel like an asshole. So it's like, you know, let me go send this around. So it was a lot of like bothering publishers who said absolutely not, but really exciting. A lot of the rejection letters we got back are like from a bunch of publishers. We've had this more than once where a publisher will politely get back to us and say, absolutely not. But we've heard of you. We've, oh, yeah. we've heard of this. Like, we can't take this, but you're going to find someone who takes this. And we've heard of this, like, so you're getting talked about. So I guess from nice, just nice. bothering enough people. <laughs> wow, yeah. Well, and uh, all that reminds me, you got um, you got kicked off of Lulu. Did, we got did kicked off. Yes, we uh, did. <laughs> that was our fault. We 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 saw we coming. We thought we could be sneaky about it, because most places you just basically assume that they are not gonna let something like that slide, especially in a publishing thing, a self-publishing thing, because you know other people have to publish it and have to put this book together other people have to look at it someone's gonna look like look down be like wait a minute (laughs) yeah i think what happened that was my fault because i like i i pushed for like amazon publication through lulu also because lulu like stuck around for like a month and i'm like i'm looking both ways like okay i think we're good i'm gonna i'm gonna push this a little harder so it's on amazon now and then i think somebody at amazon was like I don't think so. So they just like we didn't even get an email. The store was just gone, like wiped. They're yeah. like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, it was unfortunate, but it was good while it lasted, I guess. Like the but, one or two months. But we, we we saw, saw it coming. coming. We yeah. saw it coming. We, we, we knew that okay. Yeah, <laughs> it was a matter of time. Okay. It's just sort of funny when people talk about like cancel culture or whatever, but then they're like, if there's their special is still on Netflix, or <laughs> then like. But you no, guys are out there like you guys can, you know, get kicked off of like nice. a pretty liberal platform uh, you know, pretty, uh, like in terms of what they're, they'll take. I mean, oh, oh. to be honest, I did, we didn't know much about Lulu. We, we just we were just going for anywhere <laughs> that would take us. You know? Right. Yeah. 
Yeah, so we didn't look too much into it. We were just like, I, I think it's fine here. Let's put it out here so people can buy it if they want. Mm -hmm. And we sold you know, a couple it, of copies. Let, let's make it dirt cheap so people can like grab a few before they take us offline because I have a feeling. Yeah. So because we, we weren't making great money from no. this. We just mm -hmm. wanted like people to have the physical copies and we wanted the physical copies as well for ourselves. Just to so, hold and look at and be like, wow, I, I wrote this. Yeah, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah. The funniest thing uh, happened with regards to like self-publishing. Like, so I, I put this up on like a couple things. We have Ichio, we got Gumroad, and then we have like basically the Japanese Ichio, which is this place called Booth, which like I I don't speak the language anymore, but I remember enough that if you put me in front of a dictionary, I can figure it out. And I found this other sort of Japanese kind of like, you know, self-publication place. I forget what it's called. And I'm like, oh, I'll put it through here too because they do hard copies over there. So we won't be able to get any, but hard copies existing somewhere would be really cool. So we had, to, I had to send it to like review for them to review. And this place publishes some fucked up shit. Like the, oh, this yeah. place publishes some like, like Lolly Scat Inferno barbecue number 78. Like they, I'm like, that's gross, but they, they'll take me. And we got like the, the most scolding email back from these fucking people who were like, this is, this is really horrible what you're trying to put on blah, blah, blah. And we can't, t how dare you put this for publication? I'm like, wow, you guys put in like, yeah, you got, really? You're going to say that to me with the stuff that you got up? Come on. <laughs> and I think that's a situation where it was very clear to us, especially because it was a Japanese based uh, right. operation going on that like Nicholas, not kidding. The stuff that they publish on their website, it is very violent. It is, it is. I would Outrageous. say worse than what we do. Significantly it, uh, worse. Yeah, you know how uh, like hentai and stuff sometimes is. They, mm -hmm. they, they have a lot of stuff on the younger side sometimes, and and they yeah. surely had a lot of that over there. They had this a was lot a, of that. Yeah, this was a situation where it was very clear where it was because oh, it's gay shit. So we're not, we'll it's gay take shit. violent, we'll take sex, we'll take rape, but not the gay shit. So not get out of shit. here. No, yeah. I don't think so. Get out of here. Yeah. So uh, moving on. Uh, so after Sad Sack, you guys did uh, poop pics at yahoo.com, uh, which is, uh, that was a bit of a detour because uh, it sounds like it's going to be more of the same pretty much, but uh, it's actually like this like really heartwarming thing. I think I called it like the, the Ted Lasso of the comics underground. So uh <laughs> Where did the, the idea to do that come from? Um, I'd had this idea. It was in like the comics bank, like from of finished stuff from like 2011 that I never touched. And it just made me laugh because I, because <laughs> you know what it is? You know, when you like go online and you look up like really, really, really niche stuff, like you go looking into like, like, I don't know, like pottery specifically made that look like candy bars. And you can go into any, you can go into this subculture online of pottery that looks like candy bars and you will find a subculture of people. You will find like drama within that community. Like you'll find some people who are really hardcore about this incredibly niche topic that nobody else cares about. And I love that. That's why I love the internet that you just find these niche people. So I thought like, there's probably also a, <laughs> like a, a community of people that take photos of their dumps and share them. And it's not a sexual thing. It's just like a shot. <laughs> <laughs> they just show it off <laughs> for no reason <laughs> and i love that and i'm like what would a guy who was like part of that be like and that was the thinking 
Did you do any research? I mean, it's, so I, I should um, also say for for listeners that this comic has no actual pictures of poop in it. None. <laughs> Which is part of what's fun about it. Yeah. Then in Poopix. Poopix, yeah. we, we did some strate- strategic like uh, bubble placement. We avoided <laughs> it by all means. There was no poop here. Yeah, I don't even think. Do you even show like the poop emoji or anything, <laughs> or is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. the poop emoji. Yeah, but okay. that's it. That's okay. it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, but um, uh, yeah. So it. I mean, it. It kind of reminds me of. I guess how you guys met, like just you know, f- doing fan art of, uh, of something true. really niche, and so I guess. Uh... Yeah, totally. I think that, like you know, genuine. You know, I think online's a little fucked, but I also think that, like, you know, you can make genuine human connections over the internet if everyone just kind of, like, puts all the cards on the table and everything. And it's like, okay, so outside of this interest, who are you? Because a lot of people online tend to get stuck with the relationship or friendship or what have you revolving around the interest. And that becomes kind of the the cornerstone of the relationship. But if you could put that down and say, okay, so we both like Steve Vai or whatever on this Steve Vai message board. What else do you like? Like, who are you? Do you have pets? Like, what? Uh, what's your day to day? What's your favorite food? That kind of thing. Like, do we actually get along outside of this interest? So it was a little exploration of that, of just like, you know, being an older millennial growing up on the internet and everything, thinking about weird people, <laughs> thinking about all the weird people I've met. <laughs> yeah. And besides that, uh, Poopix also works a little bit like a response to SadSec in a way. We've talked yeah. about this. Uh, yeah. so there's a lot in SadSec about just people, I mean, this is no secret or a surprise, it's about people who can't deal with their problems and their emotions, and we, we just took that to an absolute extreme, and we kind of see these characters unravel as they fi- uh, figure out that what they are doing is causing no, it's it's not giving them any, any kind of closure that they look for. And in Putbix, it's kind of a healthier way that the characters are dealing with the same issue. <laughs> like, much fine. healthier. I mean, there's, there's poop involved, but, you know, they're not... Yeah, they're not yeah. hurting anybody. Yeah, yeah they're, they're not no, hurting they're just, anybody. Yeah, They're just yeah. doing their thing. Like, yeah. okay, hey, I think it's weird, but hey, if that's your thing. Yeah, uh, RJ is absolutely correct. It, it's almost like a response to Sad Sack in a way where it's like, okay, here's people who also have problems. Because, you know, these two characters, Colin and Rowan... As they discussed, they obviously have some pretty serious, like, you know, skeletons in their closet, but here's how they've dealt with it. Not just through taking pictures of their dumps or whatever, but also like, maybe this person has become really shy or maybe this other person is like, you know what? Life's too short. Fuck it. I'm just going to put myself out there. That's how I live. And coming in this chat room makes me laugh. And that's why I do it. So think, thinking more about the humanity of people. Also, yeah. just as a note, I love when either of you have to say the name of this stupid comic. It makes me <laughs> like, and now for this next comic that they've done, it's called uh, Poop Picks at uh, Yahoo. <laughs> That's also part of the delight for me, just the stupid name. Coming up next on NPR, it's Poop Picks at Yahoo.com. <laughs> it, it was Gmail for a while, but I, I thought Yahoo was funnier. Like they couldn't get the Gmail. No, no, no. Yeah, what it's... actually happened. Here's what actually happened. You really wanted to actually have the email I address, did. I but did. it was taken. It was, it was taken, taken on Gmail. So we had, to, we had to change it to Yahoo because that's where it was available. Here's my question. Who the, who, who the fuck has that email on Gmail Who now? has that? We just want to talk. <laughs> yeah. We just want to talk. talk. Yeah. I feel like Yahoo is a more appropriate somehow 
like it just yeah it just somehow that works like works yeah. better like like yeah, yeah that's that's where it would be for like it's like it's like some old yahoo uh group you know like the oh yeah yeah it's like this is like it's been around for a long time and so they're still yeah, right. uh, yeah it just has that feel to it we, um we're, we're, we got to do that. sorry to interject but just as a note we have to um we have a sequel to that one coming up that like i I fucked up on some of the roughs and I don't like how it ends. So I have to redo it, but it's called like poop picks Two. Sorry. We got locked out of our account mods. So they had to remake the email. <laughs> that was the first draft and we just went with it. Like, it's a good draft. We got it. This got series it. is very loosey goosey, I guess. <laughs> uh, so yeah, your newest thing is sortie. Um, and uh, so a sequel to, to sad sack, um, I wasn't sure if it was going to be a spiritual sequel, but I hope it's not a, a spoiler to say it's it's an actual sequel. Uh, so, no, totally. Um, yeah, if, you know why uh, why did you decide to to pick up uh, Sad Sack and keep going? Oh boy! So mm-hmm. right well, just, after just go going on, forward, I think we should also say that like this is going to be spoilers for for the end of Sad Sack going forward because there's no way to talk about Sorty without talking about the end of Sad Sack. So just I, mean, I think. I think we can get around it because after we finished uh, Sad Sack, we you can kind of catch a arch that's going on with each character. Um, you know, uh, obviously for most of them it's limited to each of their individual chapters. But for example, uh, with Jake, it kind of spans through the entirety of the series and just ends when the series ends, which makes sense because it right, began right. with him, and the whole idea was kind of his. Yeah, but. Anyways, we kind of noticed that with Salvatore, he was not only from the audience did he get the most, I guess, sympathetic response, but in the way that we actually presented his story, he felt almost more justifiable than than uh, Jake's. And yes. There was just a lot of love for Salvatore, and we also felt like we could have wrapped his story up better. And just done more with the character because you know his mm-hmm. whole thing is being very quiet, being very withdrawn. He, while well, everybody just talks off their ass uh, in each of their, char- their chapters, Salvador just kind of almost lets the other guys lead him until he takes things uh, in, into his own hands. And we just just felt like we left a lot on the table, and we just kind of wanted to go back to that. It was me who kind of pitched this very hard for Nicholas because I really like the character, so I'm very glad that he decided <laughs> to do something with it. And, of course, when it comes to sequels, especially for something like Sad Sack, there's a big risk of it just not being good and just feeling like you're just kicking at that horse. But in this case, I really feel like Sorty added a lot to this series, and I'm very excited to get to it and share with other people and see what the response is. Yeah. And so do you think uh, from from uh, when I just read the first chapter, it seemed like you somebody could just jump in and start actually with Sorty without reading Sad Sack. But is it going to be as it goes on? Do you think it's that's possible or do people need to start at Sad Sack or can they jump on later? um, That's tough because we're I say this to like, you know, readers who we have back and forth with sometimes that it's like it's it's hard to kind of judge Sorty just because like RJ and I have been so on top of it since like 2019 i want to say we've been on top of this so you know we're we're so close up to it that it's hard to like kind of step back and get Mm -hmm. the bigger picture but i think honestly especially later on 
as more factors come into play, it becomes kind of impossible to read or like at least make sense of the information you're being given without having the context of sad sack. And okay. especially like knowing what the hell's happening, like to begin with, like how we got here. So I would be really curious to hear the experience later on with it when it's all released. If someone read Sorty first and Sad Sack later, I feel like that could work. I think I feel like instead of just hmm. uh, a direct sequel, it's just two these two stories where you need the context of the other one to make full sense of what's going on. I'm not Maybe sure so. if that would work, but I would be interested to hear that from someone who just jumped on Sorry and then later read mm-hmm. Sad Sack, like that's kind of gonna, like a prequel. Yeah, that's probably going to happen too. That's inter- I you know I never considered that, so I'm I am interested in hearing like what that experience is like of like going into Sorty first, which is like very weird, and then going back to yeah. Sad Sack, which is more just like a very direct one act, two act, three act, etc. Play. Yeah. Yeah. And so then this question will be a little bit of a, will be a little spoilerish, I think. Um, but uh, will we be seeing other characters besides Sal uh, from Sad Sack showing up in, uh, in Sortie? Or is this uh, Sal's story? Mm. And you don't have to answer it. You can just say like, wait and see. <laughs> but uh, Maybe here okay. and there in some form. Here and a there. lot of weird stuff happens in Sortie. Like, even if, if we said yes, that doesn't tell you much, to be honest. Like, Kinda? Okay. Yeah. I could say that, like, if I had to, because I also am a big film head, but if I had to, like, make comparisons just for what to expect, if we look at Sad Sack in the context of, let's say, David Lynch's filmography, Sad Sack is the Blue Velvet, and Sortie is the Lost Highway, just for, you know, just so you kind of uh, have uh, a better expectation of what's coming. Okay. Yeah, well, that's uh, <laughs> <laughs> that sets my expectations for sure. Um, cool. Well, uh, that was uh, lots of the questions about your work. Um, so I was going to ask about yeah, if there if there are any other comics that are, have been inspiring you lately. But I guess before we do that, is there anything else you wanted to to say about uh, Sorty or or the other stuff that you've been doing, or plug anything that's coming up? Uh, we got some potentially big news coming down the pipes that I think we have to sit on for now. So I think we'll sit on that for now. Yeah, um, but just be on the lookout, I guess. Be on the lookout. There's some nonsense coming. Um, oh, and um, I know RJ. I'll let you talk about commissions uh after, but oh. I'm actually yeah, you know, plug your own stuff. But I'm actually um putting up the um. I'm going back to one of my old 2011 stories and being like, fuck it. I have like 2000 pages of roughs under my belt. So let's just do this. So I'm taking one of my really, really big outlandish ones from back then. And I'm actually doing it now. Uh, it's called Lovos 4017. And it is, um, how do I wrap? How do I, how do I say this? It's cyberpunk uh, by me who does not like what cyberpunk turned into. And it's some stupid robot nonsense. So if you like uh, weird sci-fi and shit and obviously more gore and stuff, you can check that out. I got like a website up somewhere. I think it's like lovos 4017thecomiccom I'll have to shoot you a link. But that's what I'm doing. Yeah. RJ? Oh, yeah. I guess to boost my, my own stuff for a second, uh, I do uh, commission work between comics. It's kind of a long queue. So if you're interested, please go to my Twitter. It's just MingBossR. Uh, just search that up on Twitter and you'll see my links for everything. But I usually just take messages on there. So if you are interested in getting art from me, you can just uh, shoot me a message and we can talk about it. 
and the queue is quite long so the sooner that you get to me the sooner you're gonna get your stuff then right now if you contact me you're gonna get something around early uh 2022 but yeah if you if you want some art that kind of uh reminds you of set sec if you like that style if you like the style of sorty uh you can get that you can get uh for your comics your characters i don't know an album cover whatever you're interested in so please by all means just just RJ, just contact me or just fucking dope hit him up <laughs> <laughs> nice nice so i thought maybe we could just close out uh with uh if i'm talking about any uh comics you've been reading or that that have been inspiring you lately i've been uh, you know oops sorry go on <laughs> okay me first uh you know uh like i said before i am shamefully not a big comic reader but i had after that like i was feeling a little bit stuck in my style i felt like i could develop more but i didn't know which direction to go so i started doing a little bit of my own research so i haven't necessarily been reading them but i have l been looking at a lot of the works by jason sean alexander he did um he did a lot of batman stuff uh, amazing artist absolutely absolutely insane person his art is like, uh, he does a fairly realistic style, but with uh, a very organic look to it. And he pushes uh, perspective and angles and stuff in, in such an interesting way, even though it's, again, it's so uh, grounded on realism, like the faces that he does and the, all the rendering. He did also Empty Zone and Philadelphia. He did the inks for both. I think he, yeah, he did write Empty Zone as well beautiful art i have to actually sit down with their with his comics for a while and actually read the stories because i think that's how you absorb the art the most when you have to also read the context that goes around it but i've just been looking at that uh, a bit and just studying how he how he does to bring your attention to where he wants you to look with all the black work that he does that's why i was kind of drawn to him because he does a similar style where it's just a lot of black a lot of pure black rendering and it's just amazing honestly and also uh sean murphy he also did a lot of batman stuff and uh punk rock jesus i'm sure everybody has heard about that one also very ink heavy not as realistic but a, a very cool style very very stylistic still kind of grounded on realism but very detailed uh he also did a i think one of the arcs of american vampire Sur survival of the F yeah survival of the fittest that's the name of that one also amazing artist his stuff i have actually sat down and read so i've been kind of looking at that and just studying what they do and trying to trying to learn from the masters i guess mm -hmm. i've been kind of uh going over my old stuff especially like doing what i'm working on now with all like the cyberpunk shit i've been like revisiting a lot of uh, a lot of older comics um one thing I reread, I think, once every six months is the Ichi the Killer comic by Hideo Yamamoto, which is just so fabulous and such a fun read. I'm trying to learn a lot more about, like, motion and, like, you know, panel direction and stuff and, you know, word bubble placement and stuff. And Ichi the Killer is just fantastic, especially because the dude's art, it starts off like, it's good. It's it's okay. It's solid. You know, it's it's passable. And then he works so fucking hard on this comic that by the time he hits the end of it, it's outrageously good. Um, other than that, honestly, I've just been trying to watch a lot of film because I kind of envision all this like prelim shit to be, 
you know, keyframes of film and things like that. So I'm, I'm trying yeah, to go we, through my letterbox queue. Yeah, we we have, I think, the way that we do all the composition for the comics, it's a lot more derived from film than comics often and uh, more often than not. That's why you see a lot of big panels and a lot of sequential uh sequences that go on from for a lot of pages i think of comics that way as well i'm sure that somebody could take issue with that but, it, but it's just the way that we like to work we like to draw fo focus to like big scenes instead of squishing like 20 panels in one page that's just how we like to do stuff yeah i, and I like actually, it in the face yeah Sorry, and you actually said that and i i forgot one comic that i have read recently it's homunculus by the same uh guy who did it should a killer uh, for the similar reason why I was looking at the other ones, just, you know, obviously it's manga, so it's uh, black and white, and he does a lot of... His line work, it gets very good. At the beginning, I was like, this this isn't that great, but he, it definitely got there eventually. And it's a similar also story, I guess. Uh, it's just... Uh, it, it's this guy who kind of, through some weird uh, medical procedures, kind of manages to look... How should I put this? I guess inside people's soul, in a way. He, he can see people's subconscious. He, he gets a hole drilled in his head, and then by covering one of his eyes, he could suddenly see the truth of somebody's subconscious. And I don't know if I'm wild about the story of Homunculus, yeah. but it's, it's a yeah, bizarre I, premise. I have it's... some issues with it, but, it, but it's also a lot about like, uh, uh, trauma and just kind of working through that and kind of getting out of control with the quote-unquote power that you have, which in his case is just looking at this this deeply personal side of people and interpreting that on his own and within the limitations of his understanding of people and of his own issues that he definitely hasn't worked through. And he, and has, being, he has quite the limited understanding of people yeah, as well, which makes yeah. it interesting. It's, it's kind of and, like he's trying to play therapist for people while yeah. at the same time, like, bud... You are not a therapist, my friend. Yeah, and the premise is very interesting. Uh, again, took some issues with where the story went, but it's interesting. So I guess if you definitely if you enjoyed Setsek and stuff like that, you might also be into that. I would recommend it just Ooh, to see. But really read it to the killer. That's the really good one. I'm trying to get RJ to read it. It's so <laughs> yeah, good. It's, so it's good. just very long. It's very it's long. So it's shorter than homunculus. It's shorter than homunculus. Yeah, but I didn't finish homunculus. Yeah, that's so, true. That's where I'm at. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. So uh, so we can wrap it up there. Uh, you want to tell people where to find you online? And I'll put this in the show notes as well. But... No. I I yeah. yeah. Like I said before, uh, if you go to Mean Boss Art on Twitter, uh, I'll one sentence you'll find out my links for everything including the comics over there um uh, my commission page my portfolio it's all on there and you can also just shoot me a message for whatever reason if you want to say something and my, and my twitter is booty slime yep you'll you'll never forget it <laughs> yeah and likewise you can find all the uh the comic uh links over there Oh, and um, if you want to check out everything we've been doing, I kind of have it all. I, I'm the webmaster of sort of the hub of where I put all our nonsense, which is sus.space. That's S-U-S dot S-P-A-C-E. That's me. That's RJ. And then that's also two of our friends, uh, Gross Kelly and Haru Specs, who also do a shitload of really weird and interesting comics. So you can come check out our stuff. Yeah, really you'll find everything there. All the links to the store, the projects that our friends do. Uh if you if you just want an easy place to find everything, that's where you go. 
if you got some free time and want to do some reading. Oh yeah, yeah. A lot of fun little Easter eggs that you can find over there as well. So I, I recommend people clicking around if they're interested. I'm very like uh, 1990s web design with uh, hidden shit. So, you know, watch yeah. the links. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, thanks again for coming on and keep up the good work. Thanks, oh, thanks, thanks so, so much for having us. us. Yeah, yeah, totally. Thanks again for joining us for the first Trash Barrel Fireside Chat. If you want more Sewer Mutant content, check out the articles on SewerMutant.com. If you liked this episode and want me to keep doing the podcast, please let me know. You can find my email and social media information on the website. The outro music is also by Crudler, and you can find more of his music at crudler.bandcamp.com. Now take it away. (laughs) 